We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Hi, hi, hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I am your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me as per usual is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle's senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. Eric, it's so much fun to be able to come into a into a podcast on a Friday. We've got a great matchup here coming up on Sunday against the New York Jets. But, dude, the Broncos got their first win of the season 21-point comeback. It was a really fun game to watch. Miserable at first, but you got to give credit to the team, man. It's hard to win in the NFL, man. How you doing? Doing good. Starting to get cold up here, so I am freezing. <laughs> um, so excuse me if I end up having to wrap a blanket around myself. My office is always really cold. Um, but no, it is nice to come in after a win, especially after, you know, last week without heated, we got a little bit about the Broncos and the situation they were in, like, it's great that what we feared could happen against this Bears team with how bad the Broncos have been started off that way, but it's always great that they were able to pull back a win. And honestly, I'm going to say Denver got two wins this week. Mm -hmm. Getting Randy Gregory off this team is a win. Um, I can't explain how much... And for the most part, we're going to try to be a little bit more positive than we normally are tonight. But, you know, we still got to be true to ourselves. Watching this defense, like, there's so many issues with it. But almost every single play, Randy Gregory was noted as a, what are you doing? I can't, over the last three or four games, he literally got folded to where he was trying to touch his toes. No penalty or anything. It was just clean blocking where he just was struggling. Terrible technique. And afterwards, he throws his hands up and then starts jawing at the offensive lineman. Like, mm-hmm. dude, you lost the rep, and you're going to sit here and start jawing and clearly give up on the play as well. It's good he needs to get out of here. Yeah. I've been very harsh on Nick Benito, but Randy Gregory is not the guy you want Nick Benito learning behind. Period. No. On the yeah. field, off the field. That is not what the type of player you want. I am so ha- I was so happy when I saw that Randy Gregory was cut. And then there's the whole thing of they're trying to turn it around and hold it out to him, try to manufacture a trade, which they did. I love the fact that they were able to send a seventh with him, upgrade that to a six-round pick. They save a little bit of money against the salary cap, not a whole lot as they're about paying about $10 million of his 10.89 remaining salary for this year. Um, Still, you know, they got basically an equivalent of a ham sandwich out of it. I'll take it at this point just to get him out of Denver. Yeah, you're absolutely right on this. And I, I'm, I'm glad you went to this first things first. Obviously, guys, if you haven't uh, been on Twitter or paying attention to any breaking news, obviously, like Eric said, the the, the Broncos decided they were going to release Randy Gregory on Wednesday, I believe it, it was. Um, then that move wasn't made. They did trade him to the San Francisco 49ers and a seventh round pick in exchange for a sixth round pick in 2024, paying all of that salary, not to like re, re, like repeat what Eric was saying there, just to give you the breakdown here. Um the, the, and like Eric says, the big thing here, what is this culture trying to like create here? This is a big, big blast on George Payton and what he did, giving Randy Gregory that four-year $70 million contract, $28 million guaranteed over the first two seasons. Randy Gregory played 10 games and had three sacks for this Broncos team 
And of those sacks after uh, after San Francisco is paying $890,000 of his remaining salary, Randy Gregory made $8.865 million per sack for this Broncos team. You cannot have that. You, you, like this is this is such a bad, bad deal for the Broncos. They lose out big. At least they got something in return for him, though. They got a little bit of salary cap uh, relief on it uh, on the deal as well. Not much to speak of, but at least something in return. And like you said, Eric, this dude didn't show effort. He was constantly clashing with the coaching staff, cl- clashing with his teammates as well in the locker room from multiple different reports. Um, talking to some other people, you and I t- that uh, that you and I talked to as well. Bad teammate, bad culture fit, bad player. This is a good move for the Denver Broncos, and it's literally a direct shot in the jaw of George Payton for for them to move on. Yeah, and it's worth noting that I believe that the pick that the Denver is sending with him is the Rams pick, as their own pick was sent for Will Lutz. Mm-hmm. Okay. I believe that's how it all worked out. Okay, but um, hey, they still don't have a seventh round pick, and now they have an they have an extra sixth round pick. Yep. Well, and, and, and another thing that another thing that uh, another thing that really it, it I don't want to well, say it's like the leading factor here by any stretch of the imagination, but you really do have to give a little bit of credit to the play of Jonathan Cooper and Nick Benito up front. Um, th- yeah. Those two guys have played very well. Uh, Benito's got some fortunate breaks in his direction, a lot of unblocked sacks that he has gotten, but he still goes out there and he makes those plays. Uh, Jonathan Cooper has been a revelation. He's really stepped into his own as a quality rotational edge defender coming uh, off of the left side of the offensive line. Um, really handles his, his own in the run game as well. He might actually be the best run defender on this Broncos defense right now, quite honestly, with the way that he's playing. So those two guys stepping up and getting – as much pressure as they've been able to do and playing as well as they have really kind of expedited this movement that for, with Randy Gregory, in my opinion, not to say that it's a, well, a, a like a, a direct correlation here or a causation, but there is some correlation that you can have here. Those two players are playing very well. They're growing and the Broncos trust him at least moving forward. And you're also going to get Frank Clark back this week from the sound of it. And Baron Browning's coming off. He did. They just activated his 21 day practice window coming off of the PUP list. So we're going to get uh, Frank Clark and Baron Browning here and really kind of just evolve this edge room to players that you can trust and players that are going to give high effort value. Yeah, and you just kind of cover what I was saying. Is like, yeah, Benito and Cooper, they definitely contributed to it. Um, Gregory being released. I mean, Nick Benito took the starting job from Randy Gregory. Yeah, yes. And while there are still issues with Nick Benito, um, you are definitely seeing growth from him as an edge rusher. Still want to see more. Still want to see more development of his total arsenal instead of just relying on his speed and his burst. Um, A little bit more hand technique and hand fighting to get off blocks when he can't, you know, just outrun them. But he is playing with better effort, even against the run. Yep. Like, just in general, like, you needed to move on. And then, of course, there is a thing of Frank Clark is expected back this game. And then Baron Browning opening his practice window, um, his 21-day practice window. And they're going to be getting him back probably not this week or by Thursday night against the Chiefs. So tonight, you guys actually get to hear us talk a little bit about the Chiefs game as well. Mm-hmm. Um so probably probably still two more games before Browning's fully back in it. But that's fine because then you have that extended period there before the Green Bay Packers game. And also, it'd be great to be at the game that Baron Browning's first back at. Guys, just as a reminder, October 22nd against the Green Bay Packers, the Mile High Huddle meet and greet. Um, make sure you're tuning in to Chad and Zach. They'll, they'll have out more information. Once we get the more information, we'll make sure we let, pass it along as well. Super mm-hmm. excited for the meet and greet. I'm going. Lance will be there. Nick will be there. Carl, will, I believe Carl's planning on going. Yep, Carl's going to be um, there too. Everybody's going to be there. And if they lose, then that means we can all throw eggs at my brother and Nick. <laughs> um, just because they're just terrible luck for the Broncos winning. Yeah. Um, so make sure you guys bring eggs as well to the meet and greet. Those of you who are going. <laughs> um, but before we keep going on this, we do got a couple of super chats here. We got Troy Boer coming in. As always, thank you, Troy. We Thanks, appreciate Troy. it so much with a $10 donation. He says, hey, guys, glad we got something and dis- and distraction is over, but still stuck with about the same dead money this year and next. What impact will Missing Reed and Eccles have? Have a great show. So, yeah, I mean, it's not, a over- it's not a huge impact of cap relief that the Broncos get as they are paying the majority of the remaining salary of Randy Gregory, but it is a little bit. Whatever the San Francisco 49ers are taking about the 890 k that's about what the Broncos get in cap relief. 
Hey, and it's a little bit, and that little bit helps a, a little bit. Um, as for the impact of missing Reed and Eccles, it's going to be a pretty big impact. But the New York Jets, they have an extremely talented defensive front when it comes to getting after the quarterback. They are one of seven teams with over 90 pressures in the NFL so far this season. They get after the quarterback, and they get after the quarterback quickly. And with how long Russell Wilson likes to hold it, as well as the issues that we are having on the offensive line, it is a bad mixture. I think that will help lower the impact a little bit of missing Reed and Eccles. So hopefully Denver can find a way to exploit it with, you know, a little bit of a quicker passing game, getting those safeties to, you know, cheat their coverage a little bit or even get the run game going, which the Jets are bad at and help mm-hmm. the safeties cheat their coverage a little bit to open up those deep shots um, that you got to be able to afford if you're going to want to win games in the modern NFL. Um, so I think it's an, imp- I, th- I do think it is a positive impact. I just don't think it's going to be as big as a lot of other people think because of the Jets' ability to get after the quarterback. Listen, we all know it's way more fun to be there live for Denver Broncos football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Denver Broncos and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat with a wide selection of tickets available for every game. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors, that beautiful orange and blue. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash Denver Broncos. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're absolutely right here. And something I want to kind of piggyback off of here is the running game. And when you watch this this Jets defense, they give up a lot of yards on the ground, specifically coming off of the edges. Uh, misdirection plays, draw plays, getting outside of those edge rushers that like to get up the field and get after the quarterback. You can actually get some open running lanes going, uh, going to the outside. And that's where missing DJ Reed is going to have one of the bigger impacts for this defense because he is a hell of a tackler up uh, on the outside in the running game. He does a really good job with his run fits when he does have to come up and square up run, uh, running backs and stuff like that on the outside. He's a, he's a very good player in that aspect. So moving on from him, You've got Michael Johnson, who played in the slot, who plays in the slot, like 1,200 snaps of his total career played in the slot. There's a possibility he could be playing on the outside, and that is a bad mismatch if you get somebody out on the outside because he is a chase and tackle guy. He misses a lot of guys. Um, He doesn't really bring a lot of, like, like hard hitting ability. He's more of a chase and tackle guy, but then also you got Bryce Huff who has struggled in run defense over the course of his career. He's also struggled in coverage playing on the outside. So that is probably the biggest impact you're going to see with, uh, with DJ Reed not being on the field. Um, Bryce Hall, enough- just to clarify, Bryce Hall. Did I say Bryce Huff? You said Bryce Huff. Uh, my, um, my bad. I apologies there. I, I didn't okay, want to grab okay. this. It happens. 
Yeah, um, I, I want to grab this this super chat here from Addison Addison Richley, who's come in a couple of weeks in a row now. So thank you for coming back. Thank you very much with the five dollar super chat here, saying uh, good evening, fellas. In my opinion, this game is going to say a lot about Russell Wilson. I still haven't bought back into the he is fixed camp, though I say he's looked better. Eric, you and I have done a lot of film study over the past couple of days, about two and a half, three hours or so. We went back over and watched a lot of the Bears game. We watched a little bit of the Jets and Chiefs game together earlier this evening. And yes, Russell Wilson is playing better, but... I want you to give a little bit more detailed breakdown of what you and I saw because I, I'm throwing you under the bus on this one, dude. I'm going to throw you on. The, he's playing better, but there's still room for improvement. Absolutely. Yeah. And I just like how you're going to, you know, throw me to the wolves here so I can get <laughs> sacrificed and continue to get called, told that I hate Russell Wilson and, you know, all this stuff. It, um, okay. I, can, I can take it back. My, my big thing is, just because something is better doesn't mean it's great, and that's where the Broncos' offense is. Yes. Statistically, I know that Russell Wilson is looking really good, but when you look at the tape, a lot of his completions are high-percentage completions. There's still concerns with timing, which is leaving yards on the field. Mm -hmm. But there's also a lot of issues of he has receivers deeper down the field, and he's panicking under pressure, or pressure starts to get there, or he just pulls his eyes too quickly, and he's dumping it off to the check down. Um, which, hey, they're able to still get yards. But the issue is, is that when that becomes on third down and second down and you're failing to convert those downs into first downs where the Broncos are near the bottom in third down uh, third down conversion percentage, that is a significant area where I think this offense in general can improve, not just Wilson. Mm -hmm. But he is missing throws. He's leaving throws on the field. He's leaving yards on the field and even points on the field. Um, and that is just something that if you want to be a great offense and, you know, really when you look at the Kansas City Chiefs or the Miami Dolphins in this case, those are things that you can't have happen mm -hmm. uh, if you really want to compete. So still a work in progress. I mean, still installing things of Sean Payton's offense, still seeing a little bit more opening of the playbook, uh, you know, week after week. We're still getting there. Yeah. But there are still things that Russell Wilson and this offense in general can do better and really be a great offense. That's all I was trying to say last week. All I'm trying to say here, there's no question, though, that Wilson does look better than he did last year. But caveat on that, how hard would it have been for him to look worse than last year? <laughs> like He would have actively had to try to look worse than he did last year, like yeah. if we're being honest. Yeah. It, it, one of the big things that, that you noted um, talking in our group chat with everybody was, uh, and it was something that drove both you and I crazy last season. I think Nick was actually in on it as well with how late Russell Wilson gets his eyes to flip around specifically on play action or misdirection passing plays. This dude's head was so stagnant. He looked like Justin Fields out there last year. And this is a big improvement. It, it's an improvement that's necessary for a what 11 or 12 plus year NFL veteran at the quarterback position. But this year, this dude's head is like on a swivel. That's like, he should be breaking his neck, getting his head around as fast as he is this year. He's still missing some open reads, still kind of misdiagnosing some stuff, but he is showing improvement with his footwork. He's getting the ball out a little bit better on time in terms of hitting his back foot and releasing it specifically on slant routes, specifically to Jerry Judy, who I want to talk a little bit more about him here in just a little bit. But the the, the improvement is definitely there. It, it's not like you, like you said, it wasn't hard to improve based on what he showed last season. He's actually looking like a competent NFL quarterback. And if you look at most of the not advanced metrics, but just statistics that most people look at in quarterback play in terms of like passer rating, QBR, passing yards, touchdowns, interception ratio, um, stuff like that. Time to throw even. He's a little bit long on time to throw, but there's a reason for that. He is extending some plays with his legs, starting to get back to the Russell Wilson of old. My question here, though, is it was something you I talked about yesterday when we were breaking down the Bears game. It still pains me to see. I understand you need to win from the pocket at the, at the quarterback position, but Russell Wilson is doing at least a decent job throwing on the run, specifically rolling to his right. He has two touchdown passes earlier this year, had another couple of plays against the Chicago Bears where he was rolling to his right and not standing stagnant in the pocket. Why do the Broncos not do that more often? Why do they not move the pocket, shift his eye uh, his eye level, get his eye adjustments a little bit easier, get him to some more half-field reads and stuff like that where he's really going to excel in this offense. Yeah, there's definitely some more things. One thing, too, that we talked about when we were all going over the game 
is there are a lot of questionable play calls. Like getting offense is better doesn't mean it's perfect. There's always going to be issues. And just to be clear, I'm not expecting perfect, but I am not. I am never one to overlook the bad just because of some some improvements. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a firm believer of putting issues and blame where it belongs. Uh, it's why last year, look at it. I did a lot of blame on Russ. Well, I didn't put a lot of blame on Hackett because I didn't need to. Everybody already knew the blame that was on Hackett. It's like this year. Everybody knows all the blame that falls on the defense, but a lot of people are ignoring the issues and the blame that should be falling on the coaching staff and on the uh, yes. quarterback and offense in general. And I will always speak to that. That is how I am. It's how I am in life. Um, yeah. Don't care who you are. Do it to my wife and it drives her nuts. Um, if she's at blame for something, I'll flat out say, tell her. It's like, no, I'm like you're in the wrong here. Anyways, I digress. There are things that they could do to continue to help Wilson, but not just helping Wilson, helping out that offensive line. Yeah. Quinn Miners has been absolutely terrible uh, since the you. Raiders. Game. He has thank been you. absolutely terrible. He's been allowing play to get blown up after blown up play or allowing blown play after blown play after blown up play. Like it has been terrible from him mm-hmm. to where he has been the we- bigger week, the biggest weakest link or the weakest link, I guess, not the biggest. Um, then Mike McGlinchey has. Like mm-hmm. he has been a problem for this offense. Yeah. So how can you do things to help out them? Move the pocket. Yeah. Get Russell Wilson out of the pocket. Um, do it a little bit more than you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and just trust Russell Wilson at that point to make the smart decision of using his legs, making the throw that's there, or throwing it away. Yeah. You're you're already cutting the field down in half for him from with him in the pocket. Do it by using a little bit of what the athleticism that he has to take advantage of it. And that's something that Sean Payton, I would like to see from them a little bit more, um, especially this week. Yeah. Um, because you have the Jets and you have the Chiefs on a short week where you have to go to Kansas City. Like over the next week, two games, you don't want your offensive line taking a punishment, just getting punished against the Jets and then having to face the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Um so help them out a little bit by getting that those boots, the um, those rollouts a little bit. Just don't run naked bootlegs. Those don't work anymore. <laughs> Ask the Bears. Yeah. Anyways, we got a couple other we got a couple super chats in here that are Facebook stars in here. Anyways, that I want to get Michael Ronquillo as always coming in saying good What's evening, up, Lance and Eric on the Dove Valley Deep Drivers Go Broncos. Thank you, Michael, for joining Thanks, us. Uh, we appreciate your continued support. And of course, Ernie Mays coming in as well saying hello, Lance and Eric. Go Broncos country only. Let's beat the Jets by a field goal. Hey, gang, make Little Caesars the official pizza sponsor of the NFL part of your game day. You know how it is watching the Broncos. To say the least, you work up a bit of an appetite. But you can get ahead of that by ordering online during our Pizza Pizza pregame one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs. Plus, all day Sunday. And get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. Personally, I'm a big fan of Little Caesars plain cheese pizza but my favorite for what it's worth is the pepperoni with stuffed crust and speaking of winning everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup so grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game um it'd be funny if they did like obviously with all the talk that's going there between you know Peyton's comments uh, about the offense last year and all the things about it just all that drama (laughs) <laughs> like you got it like if you're the broncos you got to walk out with the win yeah. like even though both sides of it are just kind of like downplaying it you know that there is some fear from the from peyton and the broncos of like oh no if we lose this game and the jets are like we want to make them lose like we want to make them pay for it. you know that's it despite how much they want to downplay it to the media mm-hmm. like Denver has to win this game yeah. it would be completely embarrassing for sean payton to have made those comments and lose and especially with how he has been about players and their um them putting themselves out there to media and stuff like that and what they're saying and like he's it was a situation at the start and not trying to rip him for it but he was saying one thing to the team and then doing the other like do as i say not as i do kind of situation here and now the team has to deal with that they have right. to go out there and execute to make sure they win 
Yep. So yep. let's put a little bit more pressure on them. Um, and hopefully they do. Hopefully this time next week we're talking about the Broncos being what two and four because I two don't expect them to be the Chiefs whatsoever. <laughs> That's true because uh, by by this time next week we'll be we'll be breaking down probably a, a loss against uh, Kansas City and Arrowhead. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. Want to say hello to some other people. We got Malcolm Brown from Homer, Alaska, as always, jumping in here. Lee Turiano, that's a new name. Uh, <laughs> talking about uh, Randy Gregory and uh, Vance Joseph. And two bad fans didn't go in the deal as well. Yeah, that's, there's some arguments there. Uh, we got Greg Smith in the house, Chance the Gamer, Todd Osendorf, Dave Youngkin, everybody here. Uh, Patrick Wiltsey out there in Hawaii. Uh, what's going on, Pat? Thanks for thanks for joining us as always. Uh, always uh, C. Chang here in the house. Uh, a bunch of other people. GLP, Gary Palmer jumping in here with a $10 super chat. Uh, hey, Lance and Eric. Glad we got rid of Randy Gregory. We should have better edge pressure. Go Broncos. And Eric, we kind of talked about this just a little bit. I'm curious your thoughts, though, on what Frank Clark specifically brings to this room that Randy Gregory didn't. Because Gregory has all the talent in the world, but Clark's got the experience. What else can he bring to this room? Well, I think just the I think the experience is a big thing. Granted, it was a terrible game from Clark in the season opener, um, but that was part of the situation where that was only a second game in a Broncos uniform, with the first being in a preseason. So, he, and now it's going to be another one. I'm not expecting a lot from Clark against the Jets. Um, I would expect him to see the field a lot, but I'm not expecting you know like great play or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll probably see some more Thomas Incum, who hopefully he plays better. Um, yeah, that's another. Was another it against answer. against the Washington Commanders? He played two snaps, and the second one was mm-hmm. a penalty, and never played. It saw the field again. Um, I don't know if getting rid of Gregory is going to automatically mean better edge pressure, just because Benito and Cooper are seeing the field a lot, and mm-hmm. they're just mm-hmm. not consistent getting pressure. And there's absolutely no pressure being added from the interior. Like yeah. they're basically being stonewalled at the line of scrimmage, essentially time and time again. Well, um, is, so I don't think. I don't think it just is an automatic correlation that, boom, more pressure now that Gregory's gone. Right. Well, and and something something that you and I talked about a little bit earlier was just what is Vance Joseph doing with this defense in terms of the defensive alignment and their assignments? Like he's trying to run this hybridization of his cover three, cover one defense that we saw with him forever. I mean, going back to his time with Wade Phillips in the, with the um, the Houston Texans, his time in, in uh, Cincinnati with the Bengals, uh, when he was a defensive coordinator in um, Miami, and also his time in, with the Arizona Cardinals you need a dominant three technique defensive lineman up front and a four eye on the other side that can do some crazy things or possibly if you can get one, a two eye that can be an interior pass rusher as well. You don't have that right now. Zach Allen is brought in to be that three technique guy, a a gap shooter, a penetration interior defensive lineman. And he's not getting the job done up front. That's just because he's not in the right role. He's a two gapping four eye technique, a guy that plays over the tackle and you want him to maintain gap integrity with the B and C gap. You don't want him shooting the B gap because he doesn't have the athleticism to actually do that. DJ Jones is a two cap, two gapping interior defensive lineman. You want him to play a two eye technique or a two technique. You don't want him to playing over the top of the center. You want to play in between center guard and just walling off defenders. They're trying to make him be an interior penetrator, and that's not his game. It's never been his game. You've got guys lining up in misalignment in the secondary, specifically at linebacker and at the safeties position, and they're trying to rotate coverage and getting everybody so far misaligned after the snap. Everyone is so far out of position, which is leading open to these gigantic gaping holes in the secondary for crossing routes to just be thrown on at will. I mean, the Miami Dolphins did it. Chicago, I'm going to get to this here in just a second, too, because I want to um, address a couple of comments here. Um, but against Chicago, how many times was Cole Komet or DJ Moore or uh, Tyler Scott or whoever it was running wide open over the middle of the field on these crossing routes? Vance Joseph deserves a lot of blame for what's going on here, and I don't think that we're necessarily talking nearly enough about that. The player's got to play better for sure. But Vance Joseph has to figure out what's going on up front, and he's not doing it. And that's why we're not going to see better pressure up front because he's misaligning these players and asking them to do something they're not qual- they're not capable of doing. Yeah, we're definitely going to dig into Vance Joseph a little bit more. I see K-Hop making a comment about how said in the second half they rushed with five and played man. What took him so long? I have some thoughts on that, on his comment, and just him basically right. flat out lying. I, I want to um, come, come at some... K-Hop 2 for a second. I want to come at K-Hop 2 for a second. I'll do that here in a little bit. It's all in fun. It's all in fun. All in fun. 
Um, Phil coming in. Good evening, lads. Eric and Deacon Scott. Unfortunately, Deacon Scott isn't with us tonight. Wilson is looking better, and even though a lot of his improvement is at short, quick passes and checkdowns, I think he needs this to build his confidence back up after running for his life behind a weak line last year. Hashtag Buckham. Hashtag Go Broncos. Um, yes, I don't fully. I I don't fully disagree with you. Uh, he definitely does need his confidence, and I don't think it's because of running for his life last last year, where a lot of the issues with that were his fault. Just Stems holding the ball him. too long, missing the early throws because he was always looking for the deeper throw. Um, that So just he wasn't um, adjusting for the issues the offensive line had. Um, but he does need his confidence to be built back up um, because of the issues passing the ball last year that he had. Um, getting these touchdowns, mm-hmm. that's great for his confidence. I mean, what? he took? He's at nine touchdowns. It took him till week 14 to get to nine touchdowns last year. Week 13, something like that. Week 12. Anyways, it took him a long time to get there. The issue, But the issue I have is that when you are regulating it so much to where you are missing those explosives uh, just to take the check down, that becomes an issue. And yes, there's those big plays to Marvin Mims, not discrediting them, but the Broncos have one, have like the third lowest amount of explosives on offense. Um, counting counting those obviously there are missed shots there were like two or three of them against the raiders one of them would have been a big touchdown if wilson was just on time um so you can't sit there and basically be ignore that aspect of it just for the shorter quick passing game and checkdowns to build your confidence back up mm-hmm. um real quick couple other comments that i've seen here justin simmons josie jewel they're expected to play um let's see who else was there uh, Frank Clark expected is expected back. Javante yep. Williams, um, Lloyd Cushenberry, and Mike Brissell are all questionable. But from what I understand, barring a a you know a setback, all three of them are expected to play. And then PJ Locke, I believe he was actually activated or will be activated with this Randy Gregory trade becoming official for him to you know possibly play. Not sure he'll play a whole lot, especially on defense. Uh, just as he gets back into football shape a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But that's definitely a possibility as well. So I, I just looked it up here. Uh, PJ Locke and uh, Baron Browning both had their um, um, yeah. their short-term injured reserve. So PJ Locke was on the short-term injured reserve. They opened up uh, his... Uh, uh, they open up his window to come back and, and practice as well. So uh, that's actually a huge get. Eric, you and I, actually everybody in our group chat has kind of talked about that a lot over the last couple of weeks with the Broncos only having two active safeties players that have played safety in the NFL um, on, on the, uh, on the active roster for games on the, on the 40, the 47 man roster, excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm losing mind right now. Anyways, with, with PJ lock, if he comes back, Justin Simmons back, you're going to see a little bit of an improvement there. Not to say that Delaren Turner yellow has been absolutely terrible, but he has had his lapses. He played better in the second half against the bears, but getting some players back for this defense is definitely going to help, especially with the communications aspect of it. it Josie Jewel is your green dot guy. He's the guy out there taking the calls, getting the defense aligned, getting everybody set up where they're supposed to be. He's the most cerebral player on that defense without question. And Justin Simmons, we all know, is probably one of the better playmakers in terms of being a, a quality tackler in, in run pursuit, getting his hands on the football in terms of taking the football away and interceptions and stuff like that. Like this defense is going to get a little bit better based on just the fact that they're trying to get healthy. And that's, that's a big boost for what this team is, is currently seeing. Um, I want to address one thing last week. I went on a big massive rant and got super heated and everything. And I've, said in that in that rant i thought the broncos were going to lose to the to the chicago bears and for three and a half quarters they were they got smoked by the chicago bears they were terrible and that those were the everything that i said that could potentially be an issue against this this broncos team was absolutely the issue justin fields was using his legs they were getting him outside the pocket and using his legs to accentuate the passing game and he went 16 for 16 against the Broncos defense in the first half. The only incompletion he had was an, a Hail Mary attempt at the end of the game that was damn near caught. It was very close to being caught. 
so this Broncos defense has given up all these points. They gave up 70 to the uh, um, Miami Dolphins. They gave up 720 yards. They gave up 21 first half points on three consecutive touchdown drives and also had another op and then gave another touchdown drive to open up the third quarter from the Chicago Bears as well. They were down 28 to seven on the road to the worst team in football. I'm sorry I came off as like super fired up and pissed off in, in that situation, but you know, I, I'm not going to apologize for saying what needed to be said and giving the analysis that we always do here on Dove Valley Deep Divers. And we're coming with a little bit more positivity here today, but at the same time, like those, th that informational take that, that, that breakdown of everything that you've seen before with this Broncos team led to that. And it also happened in the game. The Broncos got fortunate. Nick Benito came off the edge unblocked on a naked bootleg for a strip sack that was returned for a touchdown. The Bears made a decision. Matt Averflus made a decision that only one other person on the planet, by the way, thinks was a good idea, and that's Brandon Staley, the head coach of the, the Los Angeles Chargers. He's the only other person on the planet that thought that was a good idea to go for it on fourth and one. If not for those two plays, specifically fourth and one and the, the strip sack, the Broncos are staring 0-4 directly in the face, and that deserves the criticism that it was given. Yeah, Greg Smith comes in. Some people thought we would, would say we lost to Dallas last year. Uh, two years ago is the game that you're thinking of, but it's any given Sunday. It is, but this game's on Thursday, so it's not any given Sunday. Um, that's meant to be a joke. Obviously, you can have anything happen in a football game. Mm -hmm. It happens. Yep. Um, but I think that this team that we have now is significantly worse, especially on defense, than what we had in that Dallas game that the Broncos, nobody gave, thought the Broncos could win, and the Broncos won. Um, so, Maybe they can, but they're going into Kansas City on a short week with as many issues as they have. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Maybe. I doubt it. Michael Ronquillo says, 60 weeks sending Facebook stars is a big milestone. It yes, is. And congratulations on that, Michael. Like, thank that's you, Michael. great. Um, again, we thank you so much for your support, you know, week in, week out, and every single show. Every day. Um, Kevin comes in with a $4.99 donation saying, haven't watched too much in depth of our season, but why is our defense so bad? Besides injuries, is there a scheme issue and Russ looks decent? Well, going back into this, um, you know that we had this comment earlier uh, about K-Hop. We've got a lot of comments about getting Vance Russell out of here. And I know a lot of people want to sit there and defend this defense because there's not a whole lot of talent on it. And what talent there is, a lot of it is hurt. A lot of guys like Randy Gregory, which Niner for Life, I see you in chat. Hopefully he does. I made a joke today that he's going to go to San Francisco and he's going to end up picking 12 sacks for the rest of the season and playoffs. <laughs> and part of the reason is because your guys' defense better fits what he does. Yes. And absolutely. he's not being asked to do something that he doesn't do well by Vance Joseph. Doesn't mean that there weren't issues on his end, but Vance Joseph isn't blameless for what the issues were. Effort, effort. effort. Um, a large issue with this defense is Vance Joseph is calling a scheme that he doesn't know how to call. Yes. I don't know why he took this job to run a, you know, basically a cover four match quarters type scheme when he doesn't know what he's doing with it. It's not right. something he's ever run. It's not something he's yep. familiar with. He's not familiar with heavy zones. He's familiar with man coverages. He's familiar yep. with cover three, um, which the Broncos are running cover three variations, but it's still not the type of cover three that he's used to. And there's very little cover to man. So yeah. going back to K-Hop's comment here about the comments Vance Joseph made, Vance Joseph's lying. They were doing five-man pressures to start the game. They've been doing five-man pressures pretty consistently. The Broncos have one of the highest rates of using five-man pressures. That didn't change. Um, so his comment about how that was part of the change that they made as to why the defense did better. All right. Also, look at it this way. The defense really didn't do better. Sure, they got the interception. They got the fumble touchdown. They still allowed the Bears to march down the field. Yep. They got lucky by a stupid play call of a, a naked boot where there was nobody to chip Nick Benito. And now defensive coaches are coaching your backside defender as Nick Benito was on this play. You don't crash in. You stay disciplined and attack the rollout. That is what yep. they are taught now. That is what Benito did. Hats off to him for doing it. Stupid play call that shouldn't have been called without somebody doing it. They had a tight end there that should have chipped him. Um, didn't do that. Bears let that happen. They still moved the ball downfield. They moved the ball downfield to get into field goal range to come up with the win. And they decided to go for it, as Lance highlighted. 
very stupid decision. They still moved the ball extremely well in the second half. Yep. As for going to more man coverage, it was about for the second half, I would say that their zone demand coverage rate was probably about 60 40, 60% yeah. zone, 40% man, compared to the pretty standard that it was of 80 to 20. So, yeah, they did do it more, but it created more confusion with the defense. There were multiple plays where they were running a zone coverage and one of your defensive backs didn't know it and was running man because they got confused on what the call was, which still allowed the Bears to make a big play. So the biggest issue, despite the talent that they have, Vance Joseph doesn't know what he's doing with this defensive scheme. Mm-hmm. He is coming, calling quarter-quarter half coverage in first down and 10, second and 10, or second and short, second and medium, third and shorts. He's it's a coverage system that is supposed to be covered with your your defensive backs. They're playing to the boundary instead of inside. Yep. He's calling this on downs that you can still run, and offenses are like, all right, we're going to run against you. And they run yep. for 10, 15 yards every single time. Um, bit of hyperbole there. There's a lack of talent on this Denver's defense. No one, I will never argue against that. Um, a lot of the money that they spent on this defense is drastically underperforming. Alex mm-hmm. Singleton's playing terribly, and they just gave him a big contract. Josie Jewell hasn't been playing great. They gave him, they extended him last year, and he's now been hurt too. Zach Allen's been terrible. DJ Jones hasn't been great, but it's also a factor of how they're being used. Gregory yeah. wasn't being used in a way that he was used to, in a no. way that he should be used, and it actually attacked his where he was weakest at with how he was being used by Vance Joseph. Vance Joseph just is trying to mesh his defense with this Vic Fangio defense that Sean Payton wants, and there is no cohesion there. What he wants, he's doing what he wants to do up front, but it doesn't work with your coverage system that you're running. Yep. There's no cohesion there. The biggest issue with this defense is just Vance Joseph's lack of familiarity with it and just trying to do things, do it his way, which isn't working. And they made slight changes in the second half against the Bears. They still benefited benefited more by the Bears shooting themselves in the head, essentially, or the yep. foot, um, with big costly mistakes that falls on their end more so than the Broncos doing it. It's just, yeah, it, what he said. It's misleading. Um, it's uh, being intellectually dishonest. It's just a lot of issues with it. Yeah. Um, I, I and Keith wanna... Brugman comes in. He says, a bad play call. I'm okay with going for it on fourth down by the Bears is the difference in the Broncos being winless. Don't take a snap at shotgun and hand it off on fourth and one. I 100% agree um, with the play aspect of it. If you're going to go for it, that is not the play to run. In that situation, you still take the points. Yeah. Um, I, I, 100%. You, you, you got to take the points there. Uh, that's the only thing I disagree with. Need those points. You, you kick the field goal because you go up 31 to 28 on your home field and you have to, and now you're. This is, I guess, where maybe the decision comes a little bit wonky is you got to trust your defense to go out and make a play. But let's be honest here. It's not like their defense played bad against this Broncos offense. I mean, the Broncos went four straight possessions where they punted the ball four times in a row. They ran 15 plays for 45 yards, guys. That was uh, to to end the second half and start the, uh, or to end the first half and start the second half. Four straight drives, four straight punts. 15 plays, 45 yards. The Bears' defense actually played pretty decently. The Broncos' offense was terrible. But you, am I frozen, Eric? Are you frozen? Are you are you there? Can you hear me now? With my camera. Okay. Sorry, I was like, I, I was expecting you to come in and, and and add something there, and you you weren't moving. I was like, oh my goodness. No. I, I froze. Anyways, I, I don't want to I don't want to talk about that anymore. I, I we we're at 40 minutes by the way right now. We've been talking about this bears and VJ and everything like that. And it it's fun. It is fun to break down everything. But let's move forward. We got a new game coming up this week and Eric you and I every two single week technically two new games. Um we've got obviously the Jets uh up this weekend and it, this is a big game and I, I wasn't necessarily prepared for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs game, but uh, we'll, we'll I'll be able to to work through it. Anyways, you have uh, as I pull my notes back up here really fast, you have players that you wanted to highlight. Uh, Denver offense versus the, uh, the Jets defense and the Jets offense versus the Denver defense. Let's start with the Denver the Denver Broncos side of things. I'm going to break down the defensive player that I have uh, for the most 
critical matchup that you like the most favorable matchup. I'm going to let you start us off here. Denver uh, offense versus the Jets defense. What's your one critical matchup to watch this weekend? Jaleel McLaughlin. Yes. McLaughlin. Yes. yes. I, I always mm-hmm. butcher his name every single time I say it. And it's not intentional. It's just my brain. Use that speed. But there's got to be some coaching on this kid. He ran the ball extremely well against the Bears. This is me completely nitpicking here. You're a fast running back. Don't cut it back inside. Try to outrace them to the edge. Jaleel McLaughlin, so many times, he had the edge, and he could have taken it and got even more yards. And he cuts Mm -hmm. it inside and takes a 20, 30-yard gain, maybe even long touchdowns of 50-plus yards, cuts it inside for a 10 to 15-yard gain. Mm-hmm. leaving yards on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll hit Russell Wilson for this. I'll hit running backs for it too. Bad vision, bad decision, whatever the case it is, you can't, you got to use that speed to cut it outside and outrace the defenders there, especially against the New York Jets who consistently take bad angles and they bite hard on the inside stuff and don't play discipline to the outside. Yes. The Jets struggle so much defending the edge You need Jaleel McLaughlin to sit there and attack the edge with his speed consistently and not cut it back into the teeth of the defense. Yes, you're absolutely 100% correct. I'm going to piggyback a little bit off of that because... Real quick before here. Real quick. I just want to grab grab this. Talking about Cortland Sutton. um, Definitely pad a set line. It does, but it's a situation where Denver was down by the time they pulled it down or the Miami Dolphins pulled their starters. They were down 56 to 13. Right. Like, yeah, it pads his stats a little bit. And it's the same thing with it's the same argument with Russell Wilson that you have. Yeah. You know, you, you always pad the stats. What were you expecting? Denver's not going to give up and just run the clock out at that situation. They're still mm-hmm. going to use it. And so Cortland Sutton has been their best offensive play or best offensive receiver consistently for this team. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And- yeah. I mean, eight catches for 91 yards and a touchdown for against Miami. And he fumbled twice. And he dropped a touchdown. He dropped a touchdown. Went and right through his touchdown. hand. And had two touchdowns called back. Yep. yep. Like, uh, it, it all yeah, balances yeah. out in the end um, is basically what I'm trying to get to. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Lance. Go ahead and make your point. Well, uh, quickly, we got a dirt boy jumping in here with a uh, dollar, a $2 super chat saying, thanks for the top notch content. First things first, welcome to the chat. And thank you for joining us. We definitely appreciate the super chat. Come back, please come back. If you like it, let us know. Uh, Obviously you like it tonight. So uh, come back and hang out with us some more. We definitely appreciate your support. So thank you for joining us tonight. Going back to your comments with uh, Jaleel McLaughlin and getting to the edge, like I said, these edge rushers, whether it's John Franklin Myers, whether it's, um, uh, dang it, the, the Florida State kid, Jermaine Johnson, um, whether it's uh, Bryce Huff, uh, Brendan Williams, a, uh, Bryce Huff, yeah, Bre- Quentin Williams, doesn't, yeah, yeah, like it, it does not matter. The, the edge rushers specifically, they get upfield, they like to go upfield run draw run counter back on the back side of that let some let, let that c gap open up let the b gap open up and slip uh jaleel mclaughlin up on the, or out onto the boundary and get him to one-on-one situations with quincy williams and this is a guy that i want you guys to understand is a liability in my opinion for the jets defense because this dude gets himself out of position frequently and quite honestly, when you watch what happened with the Kansas City Chiefs against this Jets defense, they figured out a way to get Quincy Williams to think in the wrong ways, and they highlighted the tight ends against him. Get your tight ends involved. The Broncos offense needs to figure out a way to get Adam Trout. Like this, this is a perfect matchup for Greg Dulcich, and it's a shame that he's not available because he would pick this secondary apart over the middle of the field with his route running ability, his ability to catch the football and run in space. Because Quincy Williams is, I'm not going to say awful in coverage, because there are times where he flashes really well, and and CJ Mosley is is fantastic. But Quincy Williams is a guy you got to you got to pick on here. I'm going to go to the uh, Denver defense versus the Jets offense here, and much like I'm going to go with the uh, Jets uh, defense versus the Broncos offense. Edge rush, man. This is a game for Jonathan Cooper to absolutely go off because primarily he comes off of the left side of the offensive line. And that means he's going to go against the slow afoot, gigantic six foot eight, 340 pound Makai Becton, who struggles with speed. Jonathan Cooper may, may not be the twitchiest edge defender that the Broncos have. That's Nick Benito by far. 
but he has enough speed. He can convert speed to power. He's got enough bend. This is a great matchup for him because I would highlight Benito here a little bit, but the reason why I'm not going to is because Benito, when when an offensive lineman gets his hands on you, he doesn't have the technique to fight that block off. Jonathan Cooper plays with some strength too. And if you get speed to power conversion against Becton and get him off balance, he's going to collapse a lot of pockets. Jonathan Cooper is going to have a game this week, and he is my big player to watch for the Broncos defense. I'll push back a little bit on that. Um, okay. I definitely think the explosion of Benito is what you want to take more than the slow foot. Um, Makai Becton. Okay. And that's fair. Um, that's just fair. because you want to, you want to stress that thing. I get where you're coming from with the ability to get after the quarter or with the, when the, the block gets their hands on you being able to break off that. But if you have a slow foot offensive lineman, you attack that with speed 10 right, out of 10 right. times. Right, There's right. also the fact that John and the Cooper has been pretty much 50, 50 with where he's lining up at between right. both sides as is Nick Benito, 115 snaps to 89 snaps for Cooper on each side. And that's just strictly as your stand-up edge rusher. It doesn't factor in the other ways that they line up at, um, which does bring it a little bit more, a little bit closer. It brings it to about 115 to 95. So not much, but. Right. Um, and then Nick Benito, it's about 80, it's 85, 67. So they, they flip these two a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mackay Becton, like, He's still a good tackle. Like he still has his issues with it, but he helps make up for his issues with his slow feet with his length. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he's so ridiculously long, he just makes up for it. He takes up a wide wide space as it is. Um which is why it makes it a little bit harder to attack him with speed. Still can do it. I would probably still go, you know, similar thing these edge rushers, Nick Benito specifically in my case against Makai Becton as a favorable matchup. Yeah. Going to the other side with the Jets' offense against the uh, Broncos' defense. I mean, I have articles that are coming out. It always looks at you know the biggest threat is what it is specifically. Who can who has the most favorable matchup, the biggest threat for the Broncos' defense for the Broncos' offense? Um, Quentin Williams is the biggest threat on defense for me. Like him against mm-hmm. uh, Ben Powers with his ability as a pass rusher, and Ben Powers not being great there but not being overly exposed and with how bad Quinn Miners has struggled when the, the times that he does flip sides, oh, like just I hope to God he doesn't take over the game. Um, But for the offense, I couldn't decide. They have so many weapons that your best bet of stopping them is that you get Zach Wilson to turn back into a pumpkin. <laughs> Garrett Wilson and Alan Lazard make a really good duo that works yeah. so well cohesively. Mm-hmm. And with what we've seen from Patrick Sertan, it's not as simple as just line him up on one of these guys and trust him to take him out. Russell or Patrick Sertan has struggled a lot with it. And Zach Wilson, last game when he looked good against the Chiefs, and the Chiefs have a much better passing defense or uh than what the Broncos much better. Like Without a doubt, obviously. Like, we all know how bad the Broncos defense is. Zach Wilson really targeted the slot. And you have Jaquan mm-hmm. McMillan getting a second start there. And when he's not targeting the slot a lot, he's attacking the left side. Damari Mathis. Um, I don't expect to see a whole lot of Riley Moss. Like Maybe they do, they do bench him, but there's been absolutely no word about them coming out and saying that they're going to bench yep. Damari Mathis. I don't get why. When I looked at this defense... The three biggest weaknesses in terms of players, Damari Mathis, Randy Gregory, Isong Bassi. Two of them are gone. Yep. And the other one is still expected to start. When you have a corner that you traded up for, giving up a third-round pick this next year to go get is sitting there in the wings ready and is a better fit for what they are trying to do defensively than Mathis yep. is. Yep. My So if Zach Wilson is able to stay in the pocket and have a day, like, he's got the weapons. That's not even talking about Brees Hall, who they're finally taking off a snap count, which is great because Dalvin Cook is sucks. Mm-hmm. Talking about bad vision with McLaughlin, at least McLaughlin's still picking up yards. Dalvin Cook is just terrible mm-hmm. uh, this year. And then you have Tyler Conklin, who's playing really good football as a tight end. And you have Jeremy Ruckert, who's been decent for with what they've been get, having him do. They've got the weapons. I mean, they built this offense for Aaron Rodgers. And they've had to make some adjustments for Zach Wilson, which helps Zach Wilson do a little bit better. A lot more motion pre-snap, um, which benefits him a lot. 
they weren't doing that before because Aaron Rodgers hates pre-snap motion. Um, so they have the weapons to just completely just tear apart this defense. And with how bad they are against the run, Brees Hall, like, and the thing is, getting Justin Simmons back, getting Josie Jewell back, getting Frank Clark back, that's all fine. This defense was still bad with them on the field. Yeah. It's not going to erase their issues. It's not, but I think it's going to, it's not going to erase them, but I think it's going to. It won't least... have the, you won't have the communication breakdowns like you have the last two games. Right. You're, you're going to put a bandaid on a bullet hole, essentially, is is what you're going to do there. And, and like you said, the communication breakdowns is the big thing. Um, Specifically on offense, though, if Nathaniel Hackett does like to run crossing routes, especially from the slot, if you get Garrett Wilson lined up in the slot and you have um, uh, Jaquan McMillan or even Damari Mathis, if you get lined up one-on-one, Garrett Wilson's going to torch this defense over. And even if you get past Sertan, Sertan plays well in trail technique and he has recovery speed that he can actually, you know, catch up with a guy like that. Garrett Wilson's explosive, man. That dude is so fast coming across the middle of the field. And if they, they like, that's the guy I'm watching here for the Jets offense, for the Broncos defense specifically, Garrett Wilson could light this defense up. And if they can't get after Zach Wilson in terms of rushing the passer with Benito Cooper, Zach Allen, DJ Jones, all those guys up front, if they can't get after Zach Wilson and get him off his spot and actually put him under pressure, if he has time to get Garrett Wilson or even take shots to Lazard down the field, which he does a very good job, his contested catch stuff, he's way faster than everyone wants to give him credit for. Garrett Wilson's going to torch this defense, guys. It's it's going to be ugly. Um, Garrett Wilson lines up predominantly on as a left out left boundary receiver. Yeah, left boundary receiver was where the most, and then he's like not far behind is the right boundary receiver. Eighty-one to seventy-six snaps so far this season. Yeah, and he doesn't play the slot so well. That's Randall Cobb, so that should help ease a little bit of the issues they have. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe it's Randall Cobb. Might be somebody else. It is. Can't remember off the top of my head. Um. But you just flip Alan him. You just flipping him with Alan Lazard, basically. Yep. Alan Lazard isn't any better of a matchup. If in some ways he's a lot worse as a, of a matchup for <laughs> someone <his> like Mathis. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. And honestly, that's the that's the worst matchup for the Broncos defense because it means Garrett Wilson is up against Patrick Sertan, and Garrett Wilson is the type of receiver that Patrick Sertan has consistently struggled with throughout his career. Speed. He matches up much better with Alan Lazard. Yes, the speed and quickness that he has with especially with how they're playing off coverage like they are like Garrett Wilson he, he's gonna he, he's gonna have issues yeah uh for the Jets defense versus the Denver offensive line uh I know that you talked about Quinn and Williams so I'm not gonna step on your toes on that that was a very first name uh top two probably interior defensive lineman in terms of three technique guys that can take over the game I know Aaron Donald exists I know Chris Jones exists Quinn and Williams is freaking amazing guys I'm going to go to the outside. I want to highlight the edges here because Jonathan Franklin Myers and what he is able to do as a pass rusher, a lot like Max Crosby, he's going to win with physicality. He's going to win with uh, with effort. He's going to just put himself in the right positions to go and get after the quarterback. And Mike McGlinchey has been awful in pass protection. He has been absolutely – he has 31% of the Broncos allowed pressures from the offensive line. 31% of those pressures come from Mike McGlinchey. Jonathan Franklin Myers might be one of the more underappreciated edge rushers in the NFL today. This dude has burst. He has edge. speed and power. Okay, so let's say a seven tech, a five to seven technique. He's going to be going against Mike McGlinchey the majority of the time. Not a speed rusher edge. He plays defensive end. Let's let's stop semantics here. This is the highlight, the highlight matchup I want to get here. Jonathan Cooper versus Mike McGlinchey is going to be a bloodbath, in my opinion. Sorry for being mean there. That was that was a little rude, and I do apologize for that. But like he'll, he'll face off against Quinn Miners more than anybody. Okay, that that will be interesting. They, he lines up. Oh, he lines true. up as he a four eye. They slant yeah. in. That's that's fair. That's that's a fair point. Still in. though, that, that's that's was the point that I was getting at more so than, you know, okay. he's not an edge. Um, he's a defensive lineman who slants in. They mm-hmm. play pretty spread out. Um, they leave the middle open because they trust their linebackers to, cl- to crash into the A-gap, um, which is a Robert Salad, you know, typical defense there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Leave the A-gap open, crash in. Um, your, your DL, they crash in. Like, that. That's that's just it. They slant inside. 
they try to attack either the inside shoulder of the tackle or the outside shoulder of the right guard. And then what they're doing in New York most of the time is they're attacking the outside shoulder of the guard specifically, trying to pull the tackle out to try and take off or take on one of their guys who are lined up pretty frequently as a six technique um, and try to ride them around the corner. And they do it extremely well. They have three players who have 18 pressures this year, John Franklin Myers, Quinn Myers, Quinn and Williams and Bryce Huff. So with how they do their pressure packages, like I talked about Quinn and Williams, you're not wrong. John Franklin Myers, he's a threat. Like this is a favorable matchup for them. And it doesn't matter. Mike McGlinchey or Quinn Miners. This is mm-hmm. a favorable matchup for him. Mm-hmm. Bryce Huff adding to it. Yeah. yeah. Like mm-hmm. that's an extra factor of it. Yeah. Um, well, they- I forget they play that four three over too, so they do actually roll. Yeah. You're right, you're right. They do slide them inside, play four. I, I just, I, I specifically see him line up sometimes as that, uh, as a seven tech or not a seven technique, a five technique, where he will attack the outside shoulder of the tackle, and if he does that against Mike McGlinchey, it's over. It's, it's done. Uh, McGlinchey's gonna get eaten alive, absolutely eaten alive. So, Gons, I, I apologize for that. I get told every time before we go live that my volume's low, that I can't be heard. Um, I don't change anything. I keep my mic about the same distance every single week. I get told that it's quiet one week. I have a lot of stuff, a lot of equipment here that yeah. is supposed to regulate the sound as well as what the program that we use. I am extremely sorry um, that I am coming out so loud. Um, I have done everything I can think of for the past few months to try to fix it and take care of this issue. And when I think it starts to work, it stops working. Um, so I, I'm, I'm at a loss with what to do from here with it to try to fix it. Um, and I, so I'm extremely apologize. Um, Orange Bucky coming in saying that it makes me sound aggressive. Um, <laughs> it does. And part of it is too, is I also like to, you know, boost my voice a lot too especially when I do get a little bit more on the heated side or a little bit the pat or a little bit more passionate about what I'm saying. Um, Don't listen to it. I, I, I just, I sincerely apologize um, that it's such an issue. I will look at it. Yeah. We got to be getting out of here in a few minutes. I will look and figure it out afterwards. Yeah. Um, um, so I, again, I just apologize for that. Um, real quick. Um, going for, we got to talk about the Chiefs game real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to do our favorable matchups for it. We just don't have time for that. Um, but, I mean, you're facing Patrick Mahomes. He's the favorable matchup for them, no matter what, against this this Broncos yep. defense. Yep. And then, I mean, looking at it just from the basics, if we want to look at their defense, Chris Jones, like, against this interior with what we've seen, like, is, is there any other option? I don't same think so. Same thing as Quinn um, Williams. And real quick, Todd, I know I keep freezing. My PC doesn't like my camera. So when I don't move a lot or if I'm still for just long enough, my camera will freeze. And then I have to move in front of it, wave my hand in front of it. It's annoying, like very annoying. And it's been happening a lot more lately Mm -hmm. and a lot more lately. Anyways, back to the Chiefs game. As for the Broncos favorable matchups, um, I can't think of one against this defense against that offense. The one that would make the most sense to me is if you can figure out a way to isolate Leo Chanel in coverage against Jaleel McLaughlin, and that's not necessarily a favorable matchup, but one that I would like. No, 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 no. I meant they're off. I meant the Broncos defense against. Oh, oh, no, sorry. I, I went to uh, no. The, I cannot um, think of a fa- I cannot think of a favorable matchup for the for this defense against that offense. Benito versus Juwan Taylor is the only one I can think of. And the reason why is because Juwan Taylor likes to really get a jump off the snap and you're hoping he's going to get false start penalties because he does well with speed. He does well with power. He's a quality right tackle, but Benito, maybe if you can present that speed and flash across his face a couple times, I'm I, like, I'm stretching for something here. That's about the most I can get. Because yeah, um, I, the rest of their offensive line's great. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, with the receivers they have, you're not going to go anybody with that. You're not going to go Justin Simmons against Patrick Mahomes trying to bait him because it's hard to bait him. Jewel. Um, Jewel had two interceptions last week uh, last year against Mahomes in Denver. Yeah, Jewel baiting him is probably going to be more likely than Justin Simmons. 
Like, yep. and then as for this offense against that defense, um, man, that defense is playing such good football at the moment. They are. Um, they are. and they play a defense that Russell Wilson struggles with. Um, I saw somebody make this comment. I think it was Keith Brugman who made it talking about the Jets defense. Um, and then when we get to the meet of the schedule, we'll see how Russell Wilson looks. Not this isn't about Russell Wilson for me, but it is worth noting that of the defenses the Broncos have paid or played, none of them are in the top. I think the highest one is like the 11th worst. Mm-hmm. And that was the commanders. And now we have the jets who are like the 12th or 13th worst defense. Yep. Um, and meanwhile, the chiefs are like top six. I think they're right at six top 10. Yep. I know they're top 10 for sure. Um, so final thing before we get out of here, cause we only got, we got to get out of here just after this, this time next week are the Broncos two more victories, one more victory, no more victories. Which, what do you think? Well, I think they're going to beat the beat the Jets. Um, I've got about a ten percent certainty on that, but I do think they're going to beat so the Jets. So one and one. Yeah, I, I think they're going to go one and one. Oh and two for you. Oh and two for you. Uh, uh, well, I I picked the Broncos twenty four seventeen. Make sure you guys check out our Mile High Huddle Roundtable piece where we have all of our projections. Everybody on staff does their picks for the game. Eric is picking a loss here against the Jets, which I could definitely see. I could definitely see the, this team, especially if, if Zach Wilson much gets on Zach Wilson to revert yep. into a pumpkin. After mm-hmm. we just saw the re created the reemergence of Justin Fields, basically. Exactly. Yep. And I'm and I'm with you on that. And this Jets defense, while it may not be as good as they should be, they are better than what the Bears are. And if you go down 21 to 7 or 28 to 7 to Zach Wilson, you're not coming back against this Jets defense because they're going to get after the quarterback and they're going to dominate you. With that, though, guys, we do have to get out of here. Just quickly make sure you guys are following us on Twitter by finding me at Lance S underscore MHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also, guys, while you're at it, make sure you guys are following at Mile High Huddle, the mother account where you guys get breaking news and analysis regarding your Denver Broncos. For Eric Trickle, I am Lance Sanderson. You all stay safe and take care. Have a great rest of your weekend, and we will see you guys same time, same place next weekend. As always, go Broncos. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson.